0: These verses are about the marriages of the Prophet sallallahu We see that the theme is continuing over here. Earlier, the Prophet sallallahu marriage to Zainab عنها, that was mentioned. And then a whole section of verses defending the Prophet sallallahu his reputation, why he did what he did, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who Ordered him for the establishment of his religion. Allah subhanahu wa taala ordered the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam to do certain things, and part of that was also his marriages. So these verses explain the marriages of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The first ayah: Ya ayuhaaladina amanu, O you who have believed, ida when nakahhtum, you have married. Nakahhtum meaning you have done nikah. O believers, when you have done nikah, with who? Al-mu'minat, the believing women. When you have gotten married to believing women. Now, remember that even though marriage to kitabi women, meaning women from the Ahlul-Kitab, Jews and the Christians, that is permissible, but here in particular, mu'min women are mentioned. Why? Because marriage to a believing woman is preferable. Alright? So, إذا نكاحتمُ mu'minat, when you do marry believing women, Summa then, meaning after the nikah, after the marriage contract, what happened? Talq You divorced them from the word talaq. What does talaq mean? Divorce. Whatever reasons behind divorce. So whatever reason that happened, because of that, you divorced them. Meaning nikah happened and then divorce happened. But this divorce, it happened when min qabli, before on that. تمَسُّوهُنَّ You touched them from the word mas. What does it mean by this? The divorce happened before any physical contact meaning before the consummation of marriage You understand? Divorce happened even before the marriage was consummated And we have done the details of the consummation of marriage earlier on in Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah Al-Nisa And this is something that might happen So for example, a man and woman, they get married, the contract is made, you know, in the wedding hall or in the masjid. Alright? And then what happened? The walima is supposed to be, let's say, three weeks later. Big fight happened. After a week, canceled everything. There's no walima, there's no ruqsati, there's no going to the husband's house, nothing. Everything's canceled. The marriage was not consummated. Meaning the two were not living together. Alright? So the two did not even start living together. That... The marriage ended Divorce happened So What's the ruling then? What should be done? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says فَمَا lakum for you, عَلَيْهِنَّ On them Meaning You do not have to count for the women مِنْ عِدَّةٍ any عِدَّةٍ That تَعْتَدُّونَهَ That you count تَعْتَدُّونَ From their same root عِنْ دَالْ دَال As the word عِدَّة عِدَّة تَعْتَدُّونَ same root عِنْ dal dal. what is عِدَّة? عِدَّة literally is that which is counted and عِدَّة refers to the time period after divorce in which a woman is not to marry alright the time period the waiting period after divorce during which time a woman is not to enter into another marriage contract alright and why is it called عِدَّة? because those days or those weeks that period it has to be counted properly and what is the iddah for a divorced woman? Her iddah is ثَلَاثَةَ قُرُوء It is three menstrual cycles. Right? So, over here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that if the divorce happened even before the marriage was consummated, there is no iddah for the woman. You understand? There is no waiting period for the woman. Why? Because there was no consummation of marriage. Right? So if The woman wants, she can get married even the next day You understand? It can happen And this shows to us the wisdom The reason behind idda. Why is it that a woman has to go through that waiting period? For different reasons And the reasons are made clear over here First of all To get emotionally detached from the individual Alright? Because once two people start living together It's a different story completely Once the marriage is consummated, there is emotional attachment, there is physical attachment. And for a woman, she needs time to get over it before she enters another marriage contract. In fact, we see that majority of the people, they need at least a year to even start thinking about another relationship. I'm not saying a year is legislated by the Quran and Sunnah. I'm just saying that typically, this is what happens. That after a divorce, a year is... Minimum time, and then after that, people think about, yeah, maybe I will think about getting married. And for some other people, it takes two, three, five years, and some people, they just never want to. And that's their decision. Right? So, this is one of the wisdoms. Another wisdom, which is more, you know, evident over here, is that it is to ensure that the woman is not pregnant. Alright? Because if she is pregnant, or she's not pregnant, that will be known within three months. And we might argue that, well, you know, she can just take a pregnancy test and be done and over with. Well, many people do take pregnancy tests, but it's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee. Right? So three months will definitely make it clear whether she is pregnant or not. So, in this case, why no idda? Because there was no physical contact. The two didn't even live together. Right? So Allah says, That there is no iddah over here, but the divorce happened, right? And that was after the contract, and that contract also, even though the marriage was not consummated, that contract itself, that is something that affects a woman. It's hurtful for her, you know, to have gone through this contract and then the divorce. So what should you do to make up for it? Famatiruhunna. So give them some Mati'uhunna meaning give the woman, the divorced woman, some matar. Matar meaning some monetary gift. Wasarzihuhuna. And release them. Tasrih literally is to set free, let go, meaning send them away to their homes. How? Sarahan, a release that is jamila. That is beautiful, gracious. Meaning when they're leaving, when they're going, send them how? Honorably, elegantly. With dignity and respect Without creating any difficulties for them So three things are mentioned in this ayah Three rulings are given over here For a divorce of this nature What are the three rulings? First is there is no idda. Second is that at the time of divorce Some matah must be given Some monetary gift must be given In Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 241, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلِلْمُطَلَّقَاتِ مَتَاعٌ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ For all divorced women, meaning any woman when she's given divorce, regardless of what the situation was, when she's given a divorce, and she's going, then the man must give something to her. This is حَقًّا عَلَى الْمُتَّقِينَ An obligation on the people of taqwa. What happens in the society? It's the exact opposite. Right? that whatever she owns, even that is snatched away from her. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Give her something. And the third ruling is, that as they're going, send them away with izzah, with honor, with dignity, with respect. Not that you kick them out of the house, and you insult them, and you humiliate them, and you rush them out, and they run from there, to save their lives, to save their honor. No, send them away with dignity. Now, in Surah Al-Baqarah, ayah 236 and 237, it's made clear, further explained this matter, that if the mahr was set, it was fixed. Okay? Nikah happened, mahar was fixed. Marriage was not consummated. Alright? Divorce happened. Then how much mahr should be given? Half. Fanisfu. Alright? Half of it should be given. Allah says in the ayah 237 of Surah Al-Baqarah, وَإِن طَلَّقْتُمُهُنَّ مِنْ قَبْلِ أَنْ تَمَسُّوهُنَّ وَقَدْ فَرَدْتُمْ لَهُنَّ فَرِضًا Then, فَنِصْفُ مَا فردتم. Then you must give half of the mahr. And in the case where the mahr was not fixed, then how much matar should the man give at the time of divorce? He should give according to his capacity. And that is mentioned in ayah 236 of Surah Al-Baqarah, that وَمَتِّعُوهُنَّ عَلَى قدره وعلى قدره. That each person must give according to his capacity. The one who's got a lot of money, he should give a lot. The one who's got a little money, then he should give a little. According to his capacity, he must give something. But this is something that is al عَلَى الْمُحْسِنِينَ An obligation on the مُحْسِنِينَ And in the ayah number 241 of Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah says حَقًّا عَلَى الْمُتَّقِينَ So a man who has taqwa, a man of ihsan, will definitely give to the woman at the time of divorce, in obedience to Allah azza Now, these verses were supposed to be about the marriages of the Prophet wasallam right? Why is this ayah over here? Why is this ayah over here? Especially when the ruling is Explained in greater detail In Surah Al-Baqarah Right? Several verses are dedicated to this topic Why is this ayah mentioned over here In the context of the marriages Of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Exactly Good In Bukhari right, We learn That the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Married a woman And her name was Umayma Alright? And when the Prophet sallallahu uh, alayhi he married her, and when he went to her, when he went to see her, what happened? She didn't accept the Prophet sallallahu For whatever reason, she didn't want him. Alright? And basically the woman said, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنْكٍ. Alright? That she wasn't ready for it. Whatever the reason was, some have said she was a munafiqa, Allahu alam. Whatever the reason was, she didn't want that marriage. She wasn't comfortable. So, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, you have sought refuge with the one who gives refuge. You have sought refuge with the one, meaning with Allah, who gives refuge. And the Prophet ﷺ didn't get offended over here at all. What did he do? Immediately, he went out and he said to one of his companions, or his servants or whoever was there, to give that lady some clothing, as mata'ah, and let her go back to her family. This is mentioned in Bukhari. Now, what do we learn from this incident? What do we learn from this incident? Anything that came to your mind? Yes. The honor of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. What a beautiful man he was. After marriage, the contract has happened. Nikah has happened. Alright? But if this woman didn't want the Prophet ﷺ as her husband, for whatever reason, we don't need to be judgmental over here. If she didn't want that marriage, the Prophet ﷺ honored her decision. So how can we then say that the Prophet ﷺ had so many wives and I don't even want to say the words that people use to describe him. How can we say that? This one woman, she doesn't want him as a husband, And the Prophet ﷺ, he's fine. I was just thinking, you know, when we go to, for example, our friend or somebody, and we sit next to them, you know, we give them something, or we tell them to do something, and they say, no. Do we get offended? When we are refused in any way, do we get offended? And because we are offended, what do we do? You're refusing me? Let me show you. Let me show you who's the boss here. Right? We use our power, our authority, our dominance over there. Rasulullah ﷺ didn't do that here. So we can never say about the wives of the Prophet ﷺ that they were forced into these marriages. No. They were willingly in this marriage. They were willingly the wives of Rasulullah ﷺ. Anything else that you learned from this incident? Go ahead.
1: His status, his nobility, and the fact that she refused him. He didn't throw a tantrum. He didn't, he yari, didn't get upset. He didn't, he didn't go right? back to them and go, who does she think she is? He humbly, and on top of all this, he gave her a gift. Subhanallah.
0: Yes. This is really beautiful because typically what happens, you know, in marriage, many men that try to force their will or their power over their wives. And the wives, they don't have any choice to even say anything and there's no respect for their decision. Look at the great you know character of the Prophet ﷺ, that he's not forcing his way here, he's not getting offended, he is respecting this woman's decision, whatever it is, and he's even giving her a gift on top of that. Yes. I think for me what's really powerful is especially what you just said is for whatever reason, don't judge her she had the right to reject that offer. So the idea that women have given that opportunity, I mean, even you can reject yeah. the Prophet ﷺ, and I mean, of course that's a decision. I mean, you know, her loss. Her loss, sure. <laughs> her loss. I mean, I feel bad for her. But the fact that the Prophet ﷺ
1: accepted that, you know, it only shows us his great rank. Go ahead. I think, mashallah, I mean, I, I wasn't aware of this thing that you have just described. And it has... Uh, so much wisdom in it for today's people or at all the times because first of all, nikah happened with both parties; uh, they were willing to do it, so it seemed like it happened. Whatever happened after marriage or before A change uh, of mind afterwards, yeah, and it's totally like we're looking at the physical component of it, and. Um, so it shows us, first of all, it kind of makes a hujah that all the other wives, they stayed with their own willingness. So that means if any of them would have refused, they had that choice too. Plus it shows, to, like there are so many books out there. We were just talking about that. People say that because what they hear and what they see. And I mean, Islam is perfect, but I'm sorry to say Muslims are not. And the practices that we are doing are not right. We have messed up big time and people see those messed up practices and that's the version they know. And we even being Muslims, we even don't know the right version either. Like as we study, we get to know because all the time I know about Pakistan, even if the marriage happen, we take all the bad customs, even if the marriage happen and people have been married, that's why they have all those dramas that they do not treat them right. If divorce happen, the both families are making each other look bad and yeah. saying all the bad like things, like villains, literally, right? And not even, never mind giving the girl stuff; they will not even give it back. Yeah. And then putting the blame so the girl will not get married again. Yeah. So, mashallah, when you look at it, that's uh, how much dignity Allah Taala has given it yeah. and given the women the right. Exactly. And one more thing we learn from here is, you know,
0: the Prophet sallallahu alaihi sallam he divorced this lady. All right. Even the Prophet sallallahu alaihi sallam divorced a lady. Okay? We think of divorce as something very, very evil. Alright? Very, very evil. That if somebody is divorced, then both the people are extremely evil. No, it's not necessary. The Prophet you could say he was divorced in this respect, right? And that's fine. Because this lady didn't want the Prophet as her husband. Her loss, but... any. You know, it's something that happens to people and we shouldn't think of people as bad just because they are divorced. You understand? Go ahead. as alaikum. I think this ayah, it's clear to see that women have a right to ask for a divorce. Because in many cultures, women, you know, don't get that choice and people, men don't honor when their wife says no. You'll say, okay, then I won't divorce you. But I know in many cultures. Okay. Ya Ayuhan Nabiyyu, O Prophet, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. In this ayah, the marriages of the Prophet sallallahu are described. The different marriages or the different women that he were married to, they are mentioned over here. And remember that the marriages of the Prophet sallallahu they were unique. All right, just as the Prophet sallallahu status is unique, the status of his wives was unique. Right? For the family of the Prophet وسلم, there were certain rules, certain guidelines. So his marriage was also unique. Basically the detail of his marriages are given over here. So Ya Ayyuhanabiyu, O Prophet, Inna indeed we ahlalna, we have made halal, we have made lawful laka for you. Azwajaka your wives. Your wives are lawful for you. Which wives, allati, those who, plural of the word allati, ataita you gave, ujurahunna, their ujur. Ujur, plural of the word ajr, literally means compensation. But here it's referring to mahar mahar What is mahar Bridal gift. A gift that is given to a woman by the husband at the time of marriage. So O Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Indeed, we have made lawful to you your wives to whom you have given their mahr. Like, for example, Aisha radhiAllahu anha. When he married her, he gave her her mahar. Sauda radhiAllahu anha, Umm Salama radhiAllahu anha. Right? The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam gave them their mahr. Wama and also that which, meaning, also lawful for you is that which. Malakat it possessed, Yaminuka it owned, Yaminuka, your right hand. Ma Malakat Yaminuk, what does it refer to? Slave. All right? Mimma from among those who Afa Allahu. Allah has returned Alaika to you. Afa'a. Afa'a is from the word ya Hamza, Alright? And Fay is used for booty, war booty. Alright? But remember that fe in particular is used for that wealth that falls in the hands of the Muslims without any battle. Alright, without any battle. ghanima is after battle, all right, and uh fe is without battle. So wama malakat yaminuka mimma afa allahu alayk. Remember that at the time of the Prophet the general rule was that if you know, one group of people defeated their enemy, alright, in some cases the enemy, the people would fall as prisoners, prisoners of war, alright. And in the life of the Prophet ﷺ, we see for example, after the battle of Khaybar, all right, Safiya radiallahu anha, she was from the noble women, she was a war captive, alright. Juwayriya radhiyallahu anha she was also a war captive after the expedition of Banu Mustaliq and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam what did he do he set them free and he married them but he of course he asked them okay so for example Juwayriya radhiyallahu anha we have a very beautiful story about her Juwayriya radhiyallahu anha her tribe her people the Banu Mustaliq there's a whole history behind why the Muslims attacked that particular group of people. And the main reason is that these people were preparing to attack the Muslims. Right? And Alhamdulillah, you've studied the seerah and you know that how every community was out to get Muslim blood. Right? So the Muslims had to be proactive in many cases that before the enemy attacked, they would go and break the strength of the enemy. So what happened, this particular group of people, the Banu Mustalaq, they were preparing to attack the Muslims. With the Muslims, they attacked them first. And when they did, the men, they actually all fled. They actually all got away. And what happened? Whoever could get away, he got away. What happened? Who was left behind? It was the children, the women, all right, and some weak people or some people who got caught. So they were all brought in as captives. Now, Juwaya, she had a very high status amongst her people. So she went to the Prophet ﷺ. She said, I'm a princess. Okay, I need money. Please help me. I need money. I want to buy my freedom. I can't be a slave to somebody. Alright? And the Prophet ﷺ, he said, What if I were to set you free and marry you? You have that option, or I can help you buy your freedom. It's your choice. It's up to you. Juwayriya Aladullahu Anha, she chose to marry the Prophet. ﷺ. Now we might wonder, why did the Prophet ﷺ even make that offer? Right? You know what the benefit was? When she became the wife of the Prophet ﷺ, her entire tribe was set free. Why? Because the Muslims said, how can we have people who are the in-laws of the Prophet ﷺ as war captives? How can we do that? This is not right. These are the in-laws of the Prophet ﷺ. And then what happened? Even the booty that was brought in, it was returned because this entire tribe, all of a sudden, they became who? The in-laws of the Prophet ﷺ. And because of this reason, the men, when they finally, you know, had this haya, we should go and think about negotiating because our families are there. When they finally had the haya to go and do that, they came and they see what happened here everything's changed. So they actually were so amazed by the treatment of the Prophet ﷺ, by the treatment of the Muslims, they all accepted Islam, their wealth was returned to them, and they went back. And everything was back to normal for this entire tribe. But what was the difference now? They were all Muslim. And this whole change happened. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ offered Juwaya if you want, you can marry me. And if you marry me, you know, of course, you're free. You're not just free. You're gonna get such a high status. She chose that, All right? So over here, what is mentioned? Wama malakat yaminuka مِمَّا afa Allahu alayk. All right. So the Prophet وسلم married Jowaidah radhiAllahu anha. He also married Safiya radhiAllahu anha. I'm not gonna go into the detail of every Zawjah because if we were to do that, this class would turn into, you know, the topic should be the wives of the Prophet وسلم Anyway. Then, more marriages of the Prophet صلى الله are mentioned. Wabanati and the daughters of Ammika, of your paternal uncles. Wabanati and the daughters of Ammatik, your paternal aunts. Alright? Meaning, you may also marry the women of the Quraysh. The women from Quraysh. Because the Prophet صلى was from Quraysh. So the daughters of his paternal uncle, paternal aunts, who would they be? His cousins. Right, his relatives, and they would be from Quraysh. So, for example, Um Habiba, Anha. Okay, the Prophet married her. Who was Umm Habiba? She was the daughter of Abu Sufyan. Abu Sufyan. Who was Abu Sufyan? He was one of the leaders of Makkah And in fact, he became the topmost leader. Why? Because over time all the leaders they either died or they converted to Islam. Most of them actually they died. Like for example, Abu Jahl, Abu Lahab. All of these big names, they all died. And then eventually, like for example, Khalid bin Walid raduallahu anhu, he accepted Islam. Alright? So Abu Sufyan, his daughter, if she's married to the Prophet wasallam, remember in Arab society, this would be just wrong. How can you wage war against your own son-in-law? You understand? You could not wage war against your daughter's husband. What kind of a man are you to do that? So this kind of changed Abu Sufyan's hostility towards the Prophet ﷺ. And not just the Prophet ﷺ, but Muslims in general. And Umm Habiba was happily married to the Prophet ﷺ. So happily married that at one occasion when Abu Sufyan came to Medina And this was after he broke the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, when the Mushrikeen violated the Treaty of Hudaybiyah by attacking the allies of the Muslims. So Abu Sufyan, he came to Medina to talk to negotiate with the Prophet ﷺ. But when he came, he wasn't welcomed. You know, there's no room for any negotiation because we made a treaty, you violated it. You don't even respect the treaty. So how can we trust your word now? So anyway Abu Sufyan made many attempts and then in his attempts he also went to visit his daughter, the wife of the Prophet ﷺ. And when he went to do that and he sat down on the cushion of the Prophet ﷺ, Umm Habiba said, uh-uh. this cushion is my husband's cushion. It belongs to the Prophet ﷺ. And you are his enemy. That you're my father. I love you as my father. However, you are the enemy of Rasulullah ﷺ. So please don't sit here. You may sit somewhere else. I mean, what does this show? Also, Um Habiba, was she happily married to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam? Yes, she was. Right. So Um Habiba, she was from the family of the paternal uncle of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi And Zainab radhiyallahu anha, Zainab bin Jahsh who was she? She was the daughter of the Prophet sallallahu paternal aunt. All right. So, وبناتي عَمِّكَ وبناتي عَمَّاتِكَ وبناتي and the daughters of Khalik, your maternal uncle, وبناتي and daughters of خالاتك, your maternal aunts. Alright? Meaning, the women from Banu Zuhra. The Banu Zuhra were the maternal relatives of the Prophet ﷺ. And then there's a condition set over here, that those women only you can marry, who who هَاجَرْنَ مَعَكَ Hajarna, They have done hijrah. Ma'aka with you. Those who have done hijrah, you should marry those women. Why? Because they have a special status in the sight of Allah. They are more deserving of this privilege that they be your wives. Because a woman who has accepted Islam and who has done hijrah, who has sacrificed in the way of Allah, She is worthy of this privilege. And we see that, for example, the Prophet ﷺ married Umm Salama. Right? She did hijrah, didn't she? She was one of the first. You know, Umm Salama, Abu Salama, they were one of the first people to do hijrah. And Umm Salama, when she became a widow, who was to look after her? She was somebody who embraced Islam at such an early stage, and then she sacrificed so much in the way of Allah, she was worthy of this high status of being the wife of the Prophet. Wamatan and a woman mu'minatan believing, meaning also allowed for marriage for you is who a believing woman in if wahabat she gifts nafsaha herself, Lin to the Prophet Sallallahu Wahhabat from the root letters Wahhaba. Hiba. What does Hiba mean? Gift. Basically Hiba is to give something without seeking anything in return. This is Hiba. Alright? The problem with our gift is that when we give a gift, we also expect a gift in return. So that's not really a pure Hiba. A pure Hiba is when you give it, you don't expect nothing in return. Alright? So over here what Hiba is referring to is That if a woman Were to marry the Prophet Sallallahu Without taking any mahar You understand? That she herself says I want to be married to you And she does not take any mahar But imagine if this was the case How many women would say You know I would like to be the wife of the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wa I don't want any mahar Right? Too many women would come to the Prophet ﷺ like that. I mean, who at that time wouldn't want to have that honor, that privilege to be the wife of the Prophet ﷺ? So a condition is set. In if an nabiyyu, If the Prophet wanted, and that يَسْتَنْكِحَهَا He should do nikah to her. Alright? So there's two things over here. She does hiba. She says, I don't want any mahar. And the Prophet ﷺ also agrees that yes, okay, he accepts it. All right. So for example we learned that There's a narration in Bukhari As well as Musnad Ahmad That a woman came to the Prophet ﷺ And she said O oh Messenger of Allah I offer myself to you for marriage I want to marry you And I won't take any mahar in return You don't need to worry about anything And the Prophet ﷺ, He didn't say anything Okay, Meaning he didn't say yes He didn't say no all right. Until somebody else, you know, the conversation was changed, something else was done, but the Prophet ﷺ didn't accept this. All right. So in arad an nabiyu an yastankihaha It is said there is a narration that maymuna radhiAllahu anha she got married to the Prophet ﷺ this way, meaning she didn't want any mahar, but still the Prophet ﷺ gave her something. Okay. So in arad nabiyu an yastankihaha Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it clear, khalisatan, exclusively لَكَ for you مِن دُونِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Other than the believers. Meaning this is only, only an exception that is being made for who? For Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Meaning this is not something that is allowed for other believers. What is not allowed for other believers? That first of all, they have more than four wives. Alright? And secondly, that they marry a woman in this way of hibah. That a woman goes to a man and she says, you know what, I give myself as hibah to you. In other words, you don't need to give me any mahar. And the man says, I accept and the marriage takes place. No, no. This doesn't work for anybody else. Okay? If this is only an exception for who? For Rasulullah wasallam. Alright? For other people? The law of nikah, the laws pertaining nikah, they have been detailed in the Quran and Sunnah. So this is an exception that is made for the Prophet ﷺ only. Allah says, "Qad certainly alimna we know mad that which faradna we have obligated alayhim on them, on who, on the believers." Allah knows, and you know what has been obligated on the believers concerning nikah, meaning the laws of nikah, they are clear. Fi أَزْوَاجِهِمْ concerning their wives. All right, and also remember that the Prophet ﷺ many exceptions were made for him concerning marriage. So, for example, one was that he wasn't obligated to spend on his wives, as we learned earlier in Suratul Ahzab. All right, why we had this whole discussion about, you know, the Prophet ﷺ's responsibility was different. Right, he was to convey his primary responsibility was not to look after his family because if he were to do that then he wouldn't be able to do his work which was to convey the message of allah and this is why the wives of the prophet sallallahu when they agreed to this allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exalted their status greatly also so qad alimna ma faradna alayhim fi azwajihim wa ma malakat and that which owned aymanuhum their right hands meaning Concerning their slaves also, the law has been made clear elsewhere in the Qur'an. And we don't need to go into the details of that at this time. Likaila Now why are all of these exceptions made for the Prophet ﷺ? لكيلا, so that not yakuna. It is, on you harajun Any discomfort. These exceptions, these are made for you. The restrictions are lifted from you. Why? So that you do not have any difficulty. The restrictions are for who? For the believers. Alright? Regarding marriage, they are for who? For the believers. Not for the Prophet ﷺ. When it comes to marriage, for example, of the restrictions is that a man may only marry up to how many women at a time? Four. Secondly, he must seek permission from the legal guardian, the wali. The nikah must happen in the presence of witnesses. The man must give mahar. But all of these restrictions were lifted from the Prophet ﷺ. Why? Due to his status, due to the great responsibility. وَكَانَ اللَّهُ And Allah is ever غَفُورًا Forgiving and merciful. Forgiving and merciful. Now, in this ayah, the restrictions of marriage are removed from the Prophet ﷺ why because his marriages were not for personal reason his marriages were for the benefit of the of the ummah i just gave you the example of his marriage with juwayriya radhiyallahu anha his marriage with um habiba didn't that benefit the ummah think about it so the prophet sallallahu because of his great responsibility all right these restrictions were removed from him why? So that he could focus on his mission to convey. All right. Now, even though these restrictions were removed from the Prophet ﷺ, still, what do we see? The Prophet ﷺ he gave mahr to his wives. The Prophet ﷺ he didn't marry anybody without her consent. You understand? The marriage was not without consent. The consent was there. Alright? Likewise, in the following verses we will see that it wasn't obligatory on him to be equal with all his wives. You understand? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even took that burden away from him. Why? So that there is no haraj on him. No difficulty on him. Because he didn't choose to marry all these women. Allah ordered him. So for example, his marriage to Zainab Anha. He was trying to avoid it. Wasn't he? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said, زَوَّجْنَاكَهَا When Allah has said, Was there any avoiding that marriage? No, there wasn't. But with marriage comes a lot of responsibility. Doesn't it? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took those responsibilities away from Rasulullah Wasallam to make the burden lighter for him. Because already he was doing so much. Alright? But still... The Prophet ﷺ, he did his best. He still gave mahr. He took consent. And he also tried his best to be as fair and as equal as possible amongst all his wives. This is the nobility of his character, the greatness of his character. That even though Allah removed all these obligations from him, still he did ihsan. Still, he was good. He was fair to his wives. Let's listen to the recitation of these
2: verses. <laughs> We من قبل أن be فما لكم من عدة تعتدونها يا أيها ولك أزواجك التي آتيت أجورهن وما ملكت يمينك وما ملكت يمينك مما أفا الله عليك وبنات عمك وبنات عماتك وبنات خالك وبنات خالك وبنات خالاتك اللاتي هاجرن معك وامرأة مؤمنة ان وهبت نفسها للنبي وامرأة مؤمنة way وهبت نفسها للنبي إن أراد النبي in خالصة لك من دون المؤمنين قد in ما فرضنا عليهم فيه. أزواجههم وما ملكت إيمانهم لكي لا يكون عليك حرج وكان الله رفور الرحيم.